Hey folks, Andrew Branca here from the Law of Self-Defense, another on-the-road show. This one recorded in Little Rock, Arkansas, as I make my way back home from the S-12 tactical event I attended the last few days in the Nashville area. By the way, this is uh, I'm staying at the Capitol Hotel in Little Rock, Arkansas, and it's quite nice. I recommend it. It's an uh, old historic hotel, well-maintained, good restaurants, good bar. Convenient parking. So if you're traveling through Little Rock, Arkansas, you might consider the Capitol Hotel. I like to note things that work out when so much in life does not. So today we're going to talk about a bizarre event that took place this past Sunday in the Georgetown neighborhood of Washington, D.C., in which the United States Secret Service decided to fire shots in a densely populated community for no apparently legally justified reason. And even worse, they missed. So we'll dive into this today. It's going to be a relatively short show, as these on-the-road shows tend to be, but maybe some of you enjoy that shorter format. So with that out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into today's show. All right, so let's, I guess we can start with that news report. That might be the most prudent way to begin today's show. See if I can expand it a little bit, make it easier to read. This is a news news report from AP, folks. Secret Service agents protecting Biden's granddaughter open fire when three people try to break into SUV. This is uh, from this past Sunday, November 12th, updated through November 13th, which was yesterday. Secret Service agents protecting President Joe Biden's granddaughter, that's Naomi Biden, opened fire after three people tried to break into an unmarked Secret Service vehicle in the nation's capital. The agents assigned to protect Naomi Biden were out with her in the Georgetown neighborhood late Sunday night when they saw the three people breaking a window of the parked and unoccupied SUV. The official could not discuss details of the investigation publicly. Oh, I imagine they can't, not for fear of losing their job, and spoke to the AP on Monday on the condition of anonymity. One of the agents opened fire, but no one was struck by the gunfire. Hmm. The Secret Service said in a statement, the three people were seen fleeing in a red car. It wasn't like one of those Amish horse and wagon setups. And the Secret Service said to put out a regional bulletin to Metropolitan Police to be on the lookout for it. That's called the BOLO, folks. B-O-L-O. Be on the lookout. I'm sure I have utter confidence in the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police that they will secure the arrest, prosecution, and conviction of these dastardly car thieves. The Metropolitan Police Department said Monday was investigating the shooting, as it does with all police shootings in Washington, D.C. The agency said the facts and evidence in the case will be independently reviewed by the United States Attorney's Office. So essentially a review of itself, right? The executive branch is going to review the the executive branch of the U.S. AG's office is going to review the executive branch of the United States Secret Service. I wonder how that will work out. So, folks, generally speaking. Outside of Texas, 
Is it permissible to use deadly defensive force to protect an unoccupied parked motor vehicle in the absence of a threat to humans? Nope. And that includes Washington, D.C., folks. Now, Texas, as we've noted many times in the past, Texas is unique in that it does have a legal provision for the use of deadly force in defense of mere personal property, which an unoccupied vehicle would be. That's uh, Texas Penal Code 9.42. If you'd like to read it, you can find it at lawofselfdefense.com slash 942. But no other state, no other American jurisdiction besides Texas has such a provision. Now, they could. I mean, any state would be free to adopt a provision allowing for the use of deadly force in defense of personal property. There's nothing prohibiting a state from doing what Texas has done, obviously. Um, And Washington, D.C. could have such a, a law as well, but they simply don't. So in the absence of a threat to persons, there is no legal justification for the use of deadly defensive force. And of course, there's nothing in this news article that indicates a threat to persons. The only threat is to the unoccupied vehicle. Now, before I continue, I neglected, my bad, I neglected to mention the sponsor of today's show, which is none other than Law of Self-Defense itself, our best-selling book, The Law of Self-Defense principles, your handbook to understanding the legal boundaries of self-defense, how you can lawfully defend yourself, your family, your property, and make yourself hard to convict. At the same time, we'd like to give you this book, a real physical book, folks, not just the PDF download. We'd like to give you this book for free. Check it out on Amazon. It's five-star rated, but don't buy it on Amazon. They'll charge you for the book and shipping and handling. We only ask that you cover the cost of shipping the book to you. The book itself is free when you order it from us at lawofselfdefense.com slash free book. All right. So there's nothing in this news report that indicates any threat to persons. But, you know, journalists. By the way, if this had been an occupied car, I've seen this event described as a carjacking. This is not a carjacking, folks. A carjacking is when an occupied car is attacked. So there is a threat to persons, the persons inside the vehicle. That's not what happened here. This is simply a burglary of the car or an attempted theft of the car. Now, if the car had been occupied, that would be different. An occupied motor vehicle is often treated under the law as highly defensible property, much as your home would be treated if someone was attempting to break into your home unlawfully and forcibly. And it can create a legal presumption, trigger a legal presumption that the occupants of the car had a reasonable perception of imminent death or serious bodily injury from the person breaching the vehicle. In terms of a defense of other scenario, one could argue that even someone outside of the occupied vehicle would have the privilege of defending the people in the occupied vehicle to the same extent the people in the occupied vehicle would have the legal privilege to defend themselves. But of course, that's not what happened here because this vehicle was unoccupied and we don't see any threat to persons. So, but you know, journalists, right? Journalists are, let's face it, not the brightest amongst us. Maybe they just forgot to put into the article what's legally required for this secret service to be justified in discharging their weapons. Where else could we look? Who might know what's legally required for the secret service to be justified in discharging a firearm? Well, maybe the Secret Service knows. They ought to know. They train their agents. 
right? They give them guns, send them out to the community. So I went to the Secret Service uh, account on X, on Twitter, and uh, they don't have anything after November 11th. That's their most recent tweet. And this this event happened on November 12th. And, and the, their most recent event is a recruiting ad featuring a young black woman um, in the ad. So they're they're looking to recruit folks. If you're interested, especially uh, this is targeting a people with a military background, be tomorrow's Secret Service. Presumably, they don't make you an agent in one day. That would be rather abrupt. But who knows? Given this event, learn more, apply now. So if you're interested in a career in the Secret Service, uh, just go to their Twitter account, and there you can find it. Uh, so nothing on the their official U.S. Secret Service Twitter account about this event. Uh, but I did find their spokesman, Anthony Guglielmi, sorry, it's a complicated name to pronounce, uh, Secret Service spokesman, although it's not a, a blue check account, but I, I, I believe it is genuine. And he has a post from uh, yesterday, the day after the shooting event, uh, where he states, our pre- preliminary statement on the weapon discharge, see how passive voice they are? The weapon just dis- discharged. <laughs> like like the weapon self-animated and decided to make a loud noise. Um, our preliminary statement on the weapon discharge following a break-in to a Secret Service vehicle. Two to three possible suspects. Why did they capitalize? Oh, you know what? I have a larger version of this. It's easier to see. Here we go. All right. On November 12th, around... Ele- oh, no, no. I did want to read his tweet. So two to three possible suspects... Two to three possible suspects, they capitalized three, I don't know why, uh, fled the scene in a vehicle and a regional bulletin has been issued to supporting units. D.C. Police Department are investigating the incident. And let's look now at their preliminary statement, which is just this one paragraph. On November 12th, around 11.58 p.m., so <laughs> so um, the uh, President Biden's granddaughter, Naomi Biden, who I believe is an adult, is out at midnight in Washington, D.C. Fortunately for her, she has armed Secret Service protection. Um, you and I don't get that kind of protection, of course. By the way, did you know that that Secret Service protection goes all the way to the president's grandchildren? I, I actually didn't know that. Um, so 11.58 p.m. in the Georgetown neighborhood of Washington, D.C., which, by the way, if you've never been there, is a very posh and densely populated community, neighborhood. Uh, Secret Service agents encountered possibly three individuals breaking a window on a parked and unoccupied government vehicle. During this encounter, a federal agent discharged a service weapon. Why? And it's believed no one was struck. Why? I mean, if you're going to discharge your weapon, presumably it's because you intend to strike something, an intended target, with a round. I mean, how far could they have been? The offenders immediately fled the scene in a red vehicle and a regional lookout was issued to supporting units. There was no threat to any protectees. And the incident is being investigated by the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department and the Secret Service. All right, folks, so there was no threat to any protectees. Well, these agents were in the company of Naomi Biden. All right, we know that from the news report. So... If these car thieves had, say, presented a weapon of some kind that would have been a threat to 
the Secret Service agent. It would also have been a threat to Naomi Biden. So if there was no threat to Naomi Biden and she's standing right there, there could not have been a threat to the Secret Service agents. They're all in the same circumstances. So there was no threat to persons here is the only reasonable reading of this statement. So this Secret Service agent decided to discharge their weapon in the absence of a threat to persons when the only theoretical justification could have been a defense of property, but deadly force cannot be used in defense of property in Washington, D.C. Hmm. You think if there had been a threat to persons, the Secret Service would have made sure to include that in their statement? You think they don't know that's what's required? Now, I'm going to speculate a little bit here. I suspect what actually happened is not an intentional discharge of a service weapon at a car thief. I suspect, given the increasingly low competency society in which we live in, and this is particularly true, of course, for government agencies most uh, susceptible to political persuasion in terms of hiring, uh, I suspect that we simply have an incompetent secret service agent here who may be intended to display her firearm or his firearm. I wonder why I defaulted to her, the female pronoun. They don't say the gender of the agents here. Would, would it be reasonable to imagine that uh, they would assign uh, one or more female agents to protect the female protectee, Naomi Biden? Probably, right? I mean, you want to be able to protect her in restrooms, for example. That's easier to do if you have a female agent assigned to the team. But I don't know for a fact. But I suspect what happened here is we actually had a Secret Service agent uh, present their weapon and unintentionally discharge it, incompetently discharge it, recklessly discharge it. Now, if it was an intentional discharge, or if it was a reckless discharge, and really there is no mere negligence when you're handling an inherently dangerous instrument like a firearm, uh, this is felony reckless endangerment, discharging without justification a round into a densely populated neighborhood like Georgetown. At a minimum, this should be result in the termination of the Secret Service agent, but they, sh they should be prosecuted for felony reckless endangerment to everybody around them, including the protectee, Naomi Biden, but also themselves, the other Secret Service agents, and everybody living in that community. The truth is, folks, that bullets don't miss, do they? They may miss their intended target, but they don't just vaporize. Bullets continue traveling until they strike something in a densely populated community. I can assure you that if you discharge your firearm in protection of your unoccupied vehicle in a densely populated community, you would be susceptible to a charge of felony reckless endangerment with a firearm. Of course, whether or not anything happens here is largely a political decision. Charging and prosecution decisions are really political more than they are legal. And of course, the swamp tends to protect its own. So I don't have much hope that anything will be done here. I don't have much expectation that <clears throat> that the uh, more details will be learned about who this particular Secret Service agent was, which could be informative.
from a public policy perspective, but I don't expect we'll learn any of that. So, what else can we talk about there? Uh, you know what else would be interesting to know? <laughs> Everybody's coming back at midnight on a Sunday. Um, I, I wonder if the Secret Service agents had, had anything to drink that evening. That would be a worthy part of an investigation. When we're dealing with this level of incompetence and endangerment, what could have led to that? I mean, are, are they are they this incompetent and dangerous when they're sober? Or, or was there a catalyst to this level of incompetence and endangerment? That's a question I would ask if I were investigating this event. Where were you coming from? What was everybody doing an hour before? Inquiring minds would like to know. All right, folks, that's all I have on this event. Um, as I continue my motorcycle journey back home, I'll continue to do these short shows on the road, pre-recorded, and of course, let you all know when they are scheduled to go live or, or let you know when they've been made live and accessible. So to remind all of you, if you carry a gun um, so you're hard to kill, please don't do it like the Secret Service agent. Do it competently. Don't unnecessarily endanger innocent people in your carrying of a gun. But if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun. Carry a knife, carry pepper spray, study jujitsu. If you do those kinds of things so you're hard to kill, so your family is hard to kill, you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict as well. Until next time, I remain attorney Andrew Branca for Law and Self-Defense. Stay safe. 